Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Phase, an Adventures in Middle-earth podcast. I'm Josh and that's Callum. We're going to give you inside information on how to find your own path through Tolkien's world. Eomer and Aragon leant wearily on their swords, away on the left. The crash and clamour of the battle on the rock rose loud again, but the Hornburg still held fast, like an island in the sea. Its gates lay in ruin, but over the barricade of beams and stones within no enemy as yet had passed. What a moment oh in my the story. God. What a moment in the films. Just uh, Helm's Deep is, oh, it's one of my very favorite just moments in storytelling. In cinema, in anything. The rain, like, oh my God. I feel like watching those DVD extras about Helm's Deep and they talk about what an <laughs> ordeal it. it was, a month of night filming, being wet. It must have been miserable, but. You know, kudos to all those actors and everybody involved in that production because, oh my God, was it worth it. I think Lord of the Rings shows that, like, you know, making things as real as possible really adds to cinema. Um, CGI. It really does. And actually re-watching them now, I know they've been remastered, but even watching the non-remastered ones, the, the Helm's Deep scenes in particular hold up so well amazing as, as absolute good battles it really harkens back to you know like golden age of hollywood when they did you know big classical ancient Roman Greek, and, they, and they would do like with a cast of thousands but it gave you the scale helm's yeah. deep absolutely does that yeah well uh if you want to try and emulate that sense of scale and epicness in your lord of the rings role-playing game adventure then how would you do it yes how would we do it this is we're going to have another go at using a moment from the books to try and quickly come up with the structure for how an encounter would work we did it with the the burnt glade with the wargs and uh, the hobbit party ultimately that was quite a straightforward encounter to create it's reasonably kind of limited in its scope this is completely the other end of the scope a host of 10,000 Uruks. Less than half what I'd hope for. <laughs> uh, I've made that reference so many times. <laughs> you have, okay. and I love it. Loads of incredibly powerful NPCs, effectively. Like, you've yeah. got Thayde in there, you've got some of the elves there. You know, we know that or Gandalf... are they the player characters in the situation? Perhaps they're the player characters in the situation. Yes, but there would be a lot of NPCs. Yes, there are a lot of NPCs around. And whether you go book or you go film version, if there's elves there or if there is, you know, more men of Rohan, um, then, you know, there's there's a lot going on. It's a really busy, you know, big scale. And there there's lots of different ways you could try and transmit that sense of scale without having an absolute meltdown as you try and roll attacks for <laughs> 10,000 orcs. You know, that's not going to work. I have every uh, single thing on the battle map. You can't. I have an idea of how I might go around starting it. 
what about you do you uh, do you have a sense of how you would do it i'd be interested to know if you've come up with a similar idea yeah i think you know i guess we're talking about something that we're very clear but i guess if you were making something from scratch which was similar to helm's deep I think for me, again, as in the last one, I would be trying to think about what the the motivations and narrative, what makes sense. So here I'm thinking the men of Rohan, they know that there's there's help on its way. So in the film, that's Eomer and his Eodred, um, Eorid, I can't remember the right name, but his host of, of riders. Yes. In the books, it's um, Erkenbrand and the men of the Westfold who are going to come. And so it's about holding out. We know that there's hope. It's about survival. It's about you know, keeping going, holding back. It's an unwinnable situation, but it's about survival, buying time till the dawn on the third day. And for the Urukai is the extermination of mankind or, you know, all living things. And it's not, it's not as fought through. It's not a clever plan. It's, you know, go and destroy. Perhaps there's leadership in there, but it's not clever. And um, they've got like arcane power with, with Isengard, you know, for what Saruman's made. But the motivations is where I probably would start with that. Like, what, yep. what is it that they're trying to do? And then I would move into what's the terrain. So barren valley, there's walls. I think this is much better described in the film than it is in the book. But, you know, we've got the Deeping Wall, which is newer. And then we've got Helm's Deep, which is stronger. There's a tower. So having a very clear idea of my head of, like, where's the strengths and weaknesses of the of the area that they're fighting in? You yeah. know, what can I present to my players as options? Because I want to be able to give them like, so like if there's a bit of planning and I know that my group of players love a like planning session where they get to prepare yes. something. So I would be thinking for this, I'm thinking, you know, what details can I give them? Can I get them to do some skill checks before the battle to be like, you know, the deeping wall is really weak. There's a big, you know, water entrance into it. Oh, maybe we can block that up, you know. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd be thinking about the terrain, and then uh, what was it? What would we say last time? I think after that, I'd be thinking about you know what's the outcomes going to be. So you know, yes. if they lose lose parts of the battle, you know, what does that mean? How does it affect? And just trying to like tie out some um, mechanics, and I guess. And I feel like I'm just speaking here, so I'm going to just keep going to give my my thoughts, and then I'll go, go give you a thought. Is I wouldn't try and run ten thousand urukai and you know several thousand men. I think it's impossible. Or and I also wouldn't try and like put them into like hordes, you know, like a big stat block. I think that like if you try and make it really really crunchy, it's really hard to know how that's going to work, and then it might not work how you wanted it to, and it's not going to feel yeah. right. So you, you're going to have to abstract in some way, and what I what I think is you you have the sense of scale and epicness and size by describing things that are happening off camera, I guess, in quotation marks. And then yeah. you boil down and you see this in the films and they're really good. And in the books as well, you focus on little moments. So you say like, okay, before they get to plan, they get to decide where they are stationed on the walls, what they're going to be doing in the battle. And you give them the opportunity to decide how they want to approach this big situation. And then yeah. you zoom in on that bit and you say, okay, right, you've decided that Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are going to be up in the Deeping Wall leading the, the attack there. So we're going to go there. And then, you know, maybe some other player characters, like Theoden's at the gate, so we're going to jump over there. And you you maybe intertwine them, or you do them separately, or however you want to do, and you really nail down, like, what does success and failure at those bits mean? 
Yes. It's not just like, oh, you lost, you're all dead. It's more like, you know, you get a sense of saying like, oh, the deeping ball is overwhelmed, so you should probably retreat now. So you can make that clear to your players. But maybe it's like how many rounds that they hold on gives them a bonus somewhere else. Or, you know, it's more about how many NPCs survive there. So they like have opportunities to save people. So then you get more fighters in the next segment. And the inspiration I have for that is that in the Middle Earth strategy battle game, they have um, narrative campaigns. So they'll take you through like there's War in Rohan, for example, which takes you through like stuff that's leading up to this. And after each battle, depending on the good or evil player won, then the next battle is influenced by that, which I think is a really nice way of saying like abstracting out like in a big battle, in an epic encounter, there will be small bits and you know the whole massive battle is made up of small encounters and each of those matter. So that's how I would do it, trying to break it down into modules that then interact with other things. And so it feels like the players have agency without, you know, and they have an effect on what's going on without it feeling like overwhelmingly massive and like they can't influence anything. Yeah. This is fascinating because what you, your conclusion is almost the same as mine, but I came at it from a very different direction. (laughs) So you're right. I often quite like to, and I think this, I think it comes down to the fact that ultimately all I want to do is run horror RPGs. Like I love running <laughs> horror RPGs, which is very horror. much about, I'm very much about creating a particular tone and a particular sense for the play. One of, one of fear and excitement or dread, or whatever. So even when I'm doing something that's not horror, I'm, I often think like, well, what, what kind of emotional response is it that I want my players to be able to enjoy that, that this, this encounter gives them and i think with a battle with tens of thousands of people i'm thinking of the moment when in in the film when they're in isengard and wormtongue is speaking to um uh saruman talking about helm's deep and how there's no force in all of middle earth that's large enough to take this this fortification and then they go outside of Orthanc, and you can see that and as as the like i remember watching it in the cinema and it was epic it was huge that is the sense i want the players to have this kind of moment of awe of like this is bigger than anything we've experienced bigger than anything i could almost imagine that's the sense the immediate problem like you said was that is completely unmanageable if you ran the game like you would normally run an encounter. It would stop being awe-inspiring and it would be ridiculously a war of attrition and dice and numbers and it would lose all flavor. So I would then think, right, what I need to do is I need to be able to break it down into manageable chunks and also give the players the sense of the overall picture. So all the time, keep coming back to narrating the bit, the big scene when in reality, each of the players or each of the groups of the players are actually only really interacting with a chunk of it. You mentioned agency. And I think that's really important. It, it matters that what the players do matters. So it's fine to break it down into manageable chunks as long as whether the players fail and succeed has a meaningful effect on what you can't do is just decide to narrate a battle and they play along, but their, their, you know, their role is meaningless. That, that is not fun at all. I think because we're not going to run 10,000 Uruks, 
there's different ways of doing it. One is almost you don't treat them as enemies at all, not enemies, monsters at all, like with hit points. And what you're actually doing when your players make attacks is really you're tracking successes and failures. Uh, now, you could tell them this explicitly. You could say, you know, there are an un unkillable number of these enemies. But what we're really doing here is if you take the attack action on your turn and you succeed or you fail against a stat block, we're, we're, we're basically totting up success and failure. And that's the, the kind of tides of, of battle. You could do it that way. Or, and I'm kind of thinking about almost like the way the video games do this. They have a similar problem. Certainly in the past they did, which is that there was a limited number of um, of things they could have in the world at any one time. They they couldn't have infinite numbers of, of enemies that you were fighting. What they would often do, I'm thinking of the, I think one of the um, Medal of Honor Allied Assault, when they do the storming the beaches of Normandy, there was... Epic reference. I love that game. Amazing game. Such a good game. They want capture the feeling of the the stormy of the beaches but again that was tens of thousands of people in the game i mean that was years ago was not in a position to have that many what they actually did was they kind of quietly gated you in a section which was populated with things for you to interact with and you could see things that were happening outside this section you couldn't actually interact with them that was really just a kind of moving backdrop and actually you were presented with a chunk of the beach and some enemies and I think that's what I would I would do. I would I would treat them in these. I would give them small maps, whether it's part of the wall or a gate or something. And we would do the combat there with some enemies. And you would just keep describing the big battle, and depending on how they're doing, swing the battle one way or another. The other thing got me thinking was, I. Uh, I used to always read the the Games Workshop magazine White Dwarf when I was a kid before I could afford to buy all the minis because they're very expensive. <laughs> I used to read all their battle reports. And every year or so, they used to have a big... Uh, they did like a big campaign event and they normally released some kind of new book around it. There was one year where they had this huge epic campaign, which was a... a it was 140,000. Fleet of Orcs was attacking this um, this system and all the different good if there are any good factions in Warhammer 40,000 came together to defend the city now again they wanted to capture the feeling of like a horde of enemies like an unimaginable horde but in a mini game or a miniature game that's not practical what they did for the battle report was they created four battles that they ran at once they had one big table which had a city map and two players on each side and then they had three like satellite tables, each of which was kind of a one was a uh, it was the the wastes I think outside the city, one was a, a an orbital bombardment ship, and the other one was I think it was um, anti aircraft guns, and the outcome of the satellite games affected the big game. So if the orcs managed to break through their vehicles through the defense on the planes, they got extra units on the big map. Or if they, if the space Marines managed to defeat the spaceship, then they didn't use artillery. Or if they defeated the anti-aircraft, you got planes. So it's big bat battle in the middle, but the small things added extra things in, which gave scale 
but were still manageable. Basically, each thing was still just a normal game. So I think what you could do is you could almost have described the whole battle and then maybe have two or three maps of just a section and you could maybe deploy one or two of the characters in them and you could zoom into the section and so you do a few rounds of 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 Aragorn fighting some Uruks off the wall and depending on what happens that affects a different section and all the players feel like their bit matters but you're never really dealing with more than a few things at once I think that's probably how I would run it. I love that idea, and also I really want to play that Warhammer 40k game. I don't <laughs> play Warhammer 40k, and I've never really played it. But just your description of that, you know, sometimes people <laughs> describe. So I remember when I had like a summer job, someone described a game called Europe Ourselves Free, and they talked about like they, their experience playing it, and I was absolutely like captivated. Went off and bought the game, and fell in love with it. And, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes. Is that feeling that that you 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 get a glimpse when someone describes something? So yeah, yeah. Let's go play forty k. The um, uh, <laughs> but the, the multi part battle. I think it's the same. Yeah, we're we're coming at the same thing from slightly different ideas. But I think that's kind of you almost have to do that. That you know, I guess the other option is do you just run the whole battle? And I I don't know. So in Middle-earth strategy battle game, the sort of Lord of the Rings Warhammer, there's rules for, like, massive encounters. And I have tried it, and I have to say I don't find it as fun as um, just the smaller battles, like the skirmish games, you know, where there's less minis and there's less going on, because I just find it gets bogged down. And I think, yeah. you know, you, there's things, there's strategies that we talked about in the Siege of Stonyford in terms of strategies to stop a big encounter bogging down. Like, you know, you can give control of the friendly NPCs in blocks yeah. to players. You can, you know, streamline how you roll. So set up roll 20 to auto roll damage, roll all at once, or you can sort of take one roll for all, you know, one group of enemy, you'll go in one roll, for, for example. So there's things that you can do to like make it quicker to run lots of NPCs, both friendly and, and um, unfriendly. But I think that sort of level of detail isn't required for the feeling of epicness. And that comes less so from having 100 tokens on a map, which is just a bit boring, I think. Yeah, it is. More from how you describe. So maybe, maybe when you're planning it, you say on turn order 20, you have descriptions that you've written down in advance based on outcomes of other things or you have um like we sort of layer actions is a thing in fifth edition yeah. the monsters can have legendary actions so have those take effect so you know you can say like you know this is happening in the part of the battle it has this abstract effect here and as long as that makes sense i think that can capture the idea that stuff going on or they can yeah. even see like epic, you know, say they are in Aragorn and like Lass and Gimli in this, in this setting, or we're doing another big battle, you know, that's not in the book. And, you know, we're talking about that. And then, you know, what's 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 happening? So the moment in our campaign, uh, I won't say too much because we're going through it in order, but like there's a big battle sort of encounter happening. And what how I prepped that was, I prepped several different maps based on like basically we did a planning session where you got to prepare and I used that to decide how the maps are going to look because you adjusted stuff and um, I kind of had already planned what the enemies were going to do so anything you did wasn't going to change that so they had a plan and then sort of tried to put in 
challenges that weren't directly related to that. So like, you know, really thought clearly about what the people were doing. So yes. maybe in, if you're doing like the attack on Minas Tirith, it's the fact that for some unknown reason, the women and children haven't been evacuated from the lower level. So you have to rescue them. What? Like why? Why is that? Why have they not been evacuated? <laughs> they had a I lot of time understand. to prepare. Get them out. Why were they there? Why were they there? They should have been. The army was invisible for a long time. <laughs> Faramir told. Who knows? <laughs> Sorry, that was a time. Yeah, I I, no, no, I agree. It's something I get angry about as well. On the whole, like epic scale thing, and getting bogged down. I agree, and I think that's because the game is designed, or all games, but the game is designed for a particular thing, which is to be heroic and to be zoomed in on a single character, which lends itself to skirmishes and yeah. character and, and it's all about action. journeys. It's not about, it's about journey. making characters, really. Exactly. I am very low, and I've been thinking about this a lot because we're coming to the end of Curse of Strad. I'm very loathed when you come to epic moments, which you want as the DM, you and players as well. You want to be the best moments of the game. You want the big, momentous moments to be the most fun. And I think some video games do this very well, and some do it very badly. And that is that when it comes to an epic moment, some game designers pivot to let's turn, let's use different rules for this bit. And I hate that because oh. I'm like, but but you've given us like these rules, which we love, and I want to celebrate them in the biggest moment. What I don't want is to be like, oh, now that you're doing this, you're going to use this slightly worse designed rule set. Yeah, like press make X it feel epic. Like, you know, yeah, and I'm like, it's like a, just no. Into, into a video, or it's a cutscene. That's the worst thing. Yeah. Oh. So in this. I, rather than turning it into like a real-time strategy battle game where it's like, that could be fun, but it's like, that's not why I'm playing this game. No, I want to keep focused on my character. So give us a series of smaller maps with a couple of enemies that we fight with a very clear objective of hold the gate, um, seal the wall, uh, push some ladders away, get the women and children into the caves, for instance. They're, they're kind of small objectives within the bigger objective do small maps and when you've completed the goal or failed that has an impact on the overall battlefield and i think that it means you're still playing the same game it's just as a lore master you're tying up a much bigger narrative so we've talked you through a epic encounter and we've used helm's deep as inspiration and oh actually something we've not mentioned which i think is really important is the weather so in yes. the film, the rain is a big part of the atmosphere and the feeling there. And I think it's we, it's easy to forget about because we just forgot about it there. But maybe that has some impact on abilities or some other stuff that's going on. So don't forget about the weather. So, you know, for Helm's Deep, I guess, you know, we, we're thinking that there's a sense of hopelessness. They have to hold on for Dawn, that that might be enough. They're trying to buy time. They're trying to hold off. The Rukai, they're trying to defend their people. So it's not just about like the battle itself, but it's about survival of the Rohirrim in a way. Also yeah. protecting the leaders, so like protecting the king is another big objective that's going on. Yeah. Um, the terrain, so that you know there's weaknesses of the fortress that they've tried to prepare for, but they haven't been completely successful. And some of those areas succeed and some areas of them fail. And you can see that as I zoom in, you know. You know they hold the gate for a certain amount of time and then eventually things give in but maybe if they hadn't all those individual small bits worked out so well for that party 
then maybe they wouldn't have survived long enough for for Gandalf to yeah. turn up uh, with the reinforcements. So I think that's a, a really, uh, really great scene. And if you can pull off that in a game, then kudos to you. No emails, except on party business. And comments, suggestions, and questions to thefellowshipphase at gmail.com. The long year turns to its close. Much we have accomplished these last seasons. Our fellowship disbands, but is not broken, and we will return. On the next episode of the fellowship phase.